This is the weekend edition of the Core Report. Hello and welcome to the Core Report special energy series. Time was when you would drive up into a petrol pump and load up or buy, let's say, 10 liters of petrol or diesel and pay your money, cashless maybe, more likely, and then be on your way. But that relationship with that station or the petrol pump or with the company that provides or is selling that fuel is changing. One, because tomorrow you might have electric chargers there. You also have, of course, stores already where you might just walk in and buy things. So the nature of the whole consuming universe around energy is evolving. And so are the companies who are supplying that energy, whether it's refining companies or distribution companies. So let's try and understand from one company, what exactly is this relationship like and how is it evolving as we go ahead and as we look into the future. I'm pleased to be joined by Krishna Kumar Gopalan, the Chairman and Managing Director of Bharat Petroleum right here in Mumbai. Mr. Krishakwar, thank you so much for joining me. So, you know, there are many pumps I could go to when I fill gas in my car. But when I enter a Bharat Petroleum pump, I, I'm assuming and I'm expecting the experience to be a little different. But how is it that today I would know that? How would I know today that I'm actually in a Bharat Petroleum pump versus any other pump? And tell us about the experience and what goes into it. If you walk into any Bharat Petroleum pump, what stands out clearly is the distinct blue and yellow color logo. And you have the RVI visual manifestation, which is actually a wave, which actually denotes what a core purpose of innovation, reliability and caring is. That's the beginning when you enter the outlet. We call it outlet. The petrol stations, what we call it outlet. And at the entrance of every outlet, there is a forecourt supervisor smilingly guiding to these filling points where you can fill. And one of the primary differentiators amongst the three oil companies way back in 1999, the environment was such that people did not trust the quality or quantity of the petrol which was being served or dispensed at these outlets. We took a very stated position way back in 99 and that was the evolution of our brand Pure for Sure where he said come to this outlet and we, we means we Bharat Petroleum will certify that these pumps will deliver you quality and quantity. So we promised that not in all pumps days but in the early days then we said this is a social movement where we are acknowledging, yes, we understand there is a problem and that you come to these outlets and we will guarantee you quality and quantity. That was a big game changer for us. The Pure for sure actually became a social movement and then it became a given. You have no choice. Although the consumer expected that he be given, but those were the days and the environment. And then initially we started with manual inspection, tightening it. Over the years, we've done a series of technological upgradations now we can certainly say most of our, there'll be few ROs which are not yet technologically upgraded, are pure for sure. This is one thing. So we very clearly our promise areas are, or personalization, care and uh, trustworthiness is offered at these. This is the value proposition which we are offering at the outlet. One of the new features which we have now introduced is, okay, let me start at the beginning. When you enter the pump, you're guaranteed the smiling, the smiling uh, uh, forecourt hmm. supervisor takes you inside. And he starts with, he shows you the zero. That's one of the primary thing to ensure that the quantity is being delivered as much as whatever you pay for. Once he does that, automatically the pump locks in and you will be delivered. And then there is a payment which is linked to it. So in the integra payment is integrated to it. So that is one way of guaranteeing that you will get what you are dispensed for. Second, we have now introduced a newer technology, which we call it as UFIL2. 
in this the customer can decide how much he wants to pay how much he wants that quantity for it gets locked as soon as he does it the dispenser will dispense the fuel automatically so there is no manual intervention of somebody setting the pump and so apart from this when you go down the there is a air filling which you get there is a convenience store located in most of these stations where you can pick up your in and which is called in and out which is you can do your normal cut last minute emergency purchase most of the couples they can pick up a ready to eat food they can pick up some essential for those eggs and breads and or morning when they come back they can do we can also in some places there are atms where they can withdraw money and so on and so forth so in the outlet when they buy fuel they have this one ufill which is already preloaded through a upi mechanism credit card payments are always available we have our own loyalty programs which was one petro bonus and now smart fleet for long the fleet customers these are mechanisms where you can pay and loyalty is rewarded so this is as far as the cities are concerned when you go down the highways we have lot of intermittent stations which we call it gar it's a home away from home where the drivers we believe every 250 kilometers they have a natural halting point at those location there are essential needs for a driver if you look at a driver a long distance driver is very very particular about his goods he carries because that is his what he call it the whole transaction is on the goods so he doesn't like to leave the vehicle for a long time so normally there is a cooking space arranged for him he cooks there is a dormitory if required there is a toilet so these are facilities which we are providing on the highways which will now then be a stopping over point for these guys we understand that not everybody stops at the outlet so we have now spaced these pumps at different 250 kilometer intervals we have also upgraded the pumps in between so that there are other people can use faculty which may not be of that standard so we have now providing a complete journey solutions across the highways with the introduction of evs we are also taking up highways where we are giving complete network of chargers where i can one of the key factors for anybody adapting to a ev vehicle is the range anxiety he wants to know when i take a vehicle will i be able to charge enough time so we have taken corridors we have built about 10 12 corridors across the country which is covers about a range of 300 400 kilometers and now we are spreading it across soon we will be about 7000 stations which will have ev chargers both city as well as in time to come it will be one of the largest networks which we will have which will station maybe we'll look at going outside the outlets as well but mostly we will be also looking at battery charging options swapping options these are things which were it's work in progress right okay so let me go back to the pump two or three things you mentioned one is you said the person who smiles as you enter second is which now that you say it and it didn't strike me that it was a function of training is the zero factor it begins with a greeting yeah. then he shows you the meter yeah and he insists i mean i have noticed that now that you say it's a function of training rather than you know something that they do it instinctively no, or this something this is one of our value proposition yeah. where i'm guaranteeing you q and q right okay so let me understand the technology part and this is for people who want to know as well right so one is you say okay there is no water there is no mixing there is no other sort of blending happening so how do you demonstrate that right from the depot or installation which where the petrol or diesel is stored it is loaded in a lorry after doing the necessary checks that i have loaded the correct product correct quantity it is sealed electronically sealed and and then when he reaches the destination the both the recipient as well as the driver can open the lock together so that is the first step of guaranteeing then it goes into the tank where there is an automatic tank gauge in most of the outlets 
which is also gauges the quantity, any variation we can. And there are density checks which are done to the product. So we know there is no quality change. All the quality necessary is there in the pumps. And when the pump dispenses the petrol, we also tell the customer that you can do a sample check and see whether the quantity or quality you've got is correct. So there is a five liter can which is kept. He can look at it. Can also check the density. So there's up right in front of this display that any customer, if he has a doubt, he can verify. Because we want to make yeah. sure there's no... But do people chances. do that? Some, some people, some people really do, it. do it. Okay. And sometimes they have pointed out uh, some variance as well. So these are good ways to... And, and that feedback, feedback comes back into the BPC yeah, system. Exactly. And, 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 we, I mean, and we make those course corrections. Sometimes it happens on lower long distance, but very rarely it happens. But the immediately corrections are done. Right. Okay. So let me now come to the refining side of it. So tell us about the journey. So suppose uh, one barrel of crude lands outside Mumbai uh, via container or a crude tanker. What is the journey from there into your refinery? And as it gets split, where does it go? What is the value add? We have three refineries in the country. One is at Bombay, one is at Kochi and one is at Bina and Madhya Pradesh. Bina and Kochi have the arrangements to import large VLCCs, what's called very large carriers crude carriers, and they have something called single-point mooring system at the sea, where the crude from the VLCC, VLCC is a drought requirement, so they are a little off the coast, they are uh, delivered to this SPMs, and SPM from there, it's transported through pipelines to the refinery. At the refinery, there is the four or five processes, what the crude goes through. One is distillation. Based on the boiling points, the crude is separated and the products are separated. After distillation, there is cracking. In the cracking, the hydrocarbon molecules are broken down. Bigger hydrocarbon molecules are broken down. And then there is something called reforming. In the reforming stage, molecules are rearranged to add value. And then there are impurities which happen in this process, which is removed and separate. In spite of that, there are products which will have... So there will be further refining process which happen to remove the finer purities or quality so that we get the desired performance level in the way. From this crude, what is separated out is gasoline, which is now we call it petrol. There's diesel, there's LPG, and so on and so on, the multiple. From there, it is stored. Once it is separated, it's stored in a tank. To then again follow the same process through pipeline, by train, by lorries, whatever it is. It goes into regional depot locations and from there to the respective petrol station, which is then dispensed to what you get it at the outlet. This is typically the journey of a crude. Right. If I were to look at or if I would ask you about the hierarchy, so let's say there's, and as a consumer, I would know about petrol, diesel, and maybe lubricants, which I'm going to ask you about in a moment. But let's say, as a not as a consumer, but since I'm aware, there's jet fuel or aviation fuel, which is powering aircraft. So how does that, what is the hierarchy of, you know, let's say that same one barrel no, no, It of depends on the different boiling points. It is separated, okay? Then density, all that, it is separated. And then they are stored in different tanks and different locations it is transported to. So depending on the need where it is, there are some locations which need only MS, some locations which need both MS diesel as well as, depending on that, that is transported across. And we have a network, wide network of depots and installations across the country. This LPG distributorships we have, LPG depot installations we have, aviation stations. Aviation stations are largely located in the airport so that the fueling can happen. So let's come to lubricants. So lubricants are also an important part of, let's say, what particularly, let's say, two-wheeler consumer or even a four-wheeler consumer will buy. 
Where does this fit in the chain that you've just described? So one of the products which aggregates out of the refinery is something called lubricant blending stock, which goes into the refinery. There's a hydrocracker unit which aggregates and makes a lubricant. So the lubricant, once it is made, then there is the base stock, base oil, what we call it, is blended at a lube oil installation with additives. Various formulations are made which are based on each engine performance. There are tests being done on these engines. And basis of the performance levels required, there are various categories of lubricants blended and packed. Some are stored for industrial use in barrels. Some are stored in small packs for individual customers. But this is a very, very intense business because, for example, in the consumer world, most of the user does not know what oil goes into the engine. It's actually the mechanic who actually influences it or the OEMs which make the car. So the game is how well you educate the consumer to make the difference. Right. Okay, so let me ask you a larger BPCL question. I mean, if you were to look at the company today and for someone who's trying to understand, so we've talked about, let's say, the experience at the pump and how that's changing and what goes into making that a good experience. You've talked about the input and the output. You've talked about crude coming in, the output, the various products. What else is BPCL about as a company today? So one, we are a marketing company. The second, we are a refining company. We are also, actually we are structured in such, we started off as a refining company, then we became a marketing company. That was almost concurrently. Whatever we refined, but those days or still today, we still import crude, right? As we grew in the size and the company, we realized that we our product security is not in a comfortable position. We needed to integrate with the upstream so that we are becoming a completely integrated company. And this is a very cyclical business. If the upstream moves up, the refining goes down and vice versa because of cost dynamics. So we realized that we need to do... So early in 2008, we started getting into the exploration business. We worked on it and we have acquired assets in Brazil and Mozambique. The exploration is a long-drawn process, so we are in the process. We get early returns are expected in 27, 28. So we believe we have got a good asset in Mozambique, and we think it's going to not big if it works out well. Right. So that's the exploration part. So And then there's the renewables part. So one part of renewables is obviously, let's say, the EV network, charging network that you're setting up. So since the pandemic, the world has changed, Right. There was energy transition, which is a very, very serious requirement because the environment is changing because of use of fossil. But the world realized that transition is slightly getting delayed because the country needs energy, needs to develop. 50% of the country only today is developed and we're still growing. And probably by 2050, 60% may not have grown. And the pace at which energy is growing we will not be able to replace fossil fuel-driven energy with renewable energy. It's going to take time. So both are going to work on it parallelly. I mean, we've seen the COP28 declaration, for example, or that, you know, that, that, that we will try to move will, away yeah, from. Exactly. There's a couple of other reasons as well. Renewable technology as such is not yet mature. Right now, it's very costly. But so people are taking a backseat at investing. The returns are not as conventional. But that is a necessary thing to do as well. So what uh, we as a company and probably the country will do is that we are very clear that fossil fuel will be there for some time. Might as well nurture the core, leverage the old fuel, serve the needs of the country and then use that to drive the renewable business. So we have said that we will nurture the core business of refining, marketing and upstream 
and also leverage that and start building on big bets. So our big bets are basically Petchem, we'll have gas, we'll have renewables, that is the green energy business, and we also look at digital to weave the whole thing together. So for example, we feel India consumption of Petchem in India is only very low compared to the world. So there is a huge space for us to grow per capita, consumption is very low. So there is an opportunity for us to grow, although China is big, but they are in terms of volume, but for us, consumption growth story is there. So we are now investing big in Bina, a plant, and then Kochi. Two plants we are investing. There should be the building blocks for plastics and other construction material. Petchem is gas. Prime Minister stated an ambition is to move from 6% to 15%. There is a huge opportunity there. So we understand that there is an option. We are also going big on gas. We have about 50 GAs where we are putting the CGD connections across. We're also looking at the industrial segment so that we try and convert them to gas-based economy. The third part is renewables, which we feel there are five or six elements of the renewal block. One is bioethanol, which is being used right now. 20% of our petrol also being targeted at to be blended with petrol. So because we are net importer, we need to reduce our dependency on imports and we need to reduce costs as well. So ethanol, we are also building up a 2G and 1G plant in Bargar and Orisa which will be commissioned end of year. We are also looking at about 5% biodiesel and 5% ethanol also we blending we are experimenting with. These are three bioethanols in the bioethanol space. So ethanol blends with petrol and that's happening. You're saying it's it's a lower proportion with diesel. With diesel, we work experimenting with that. We are doing some trials, but there's some time off. These are three things for bio. Then we are also looking at CBG a big time. 26 biogas plants we are planning to put across the country. We are looking at government for support for giving us feedstock, which is the municipal solid waste. Because that's a disposal of municipal solid waste is a reality. We're tying up, we have just recently tied up in Kochi with the municipality for giving us. So that project has already started. We have now got about 15 sites. We're now tying up the deal for the solid waste. Once that feedstock is tied up, we'll have a good arrangement and about 26 will come in five, six years, we will be coming. So that is SAF, that is the sustained aviation fuel. We're trying to process used cooking oil in the refineries. Now the mandate has also come to 1%, 2% or gradually over the years. Green hydrogen is big, you know, about the National Green Hydrogen Mission, which the Prime Minister has stated. So the stated intent is 5 million metric tons by 2030. But we are going small on that because we just started an experiment with the electrolyzer in Bina refinery. We have also developed one, co-created one with BRC. So that will be the first, if that works, that will be the first indigenous electrolyzer we make. Most of the thing, electrolyzers are imported. So this BRC development, which will be the 500 kilowatt electrolyzer, we are trying to experiment at an R&D center. That's regarding hydrogen. So I've covered sustained aviation fuel, CBG, that's blending and EV. So I've already mentioned that we are about 7,000 charging stations we want to install in the coming years. Too. So that way we will now become a completely integrated energy company is what we believe. Right. So when you put EV chargers, is the gain more because you're keeping the customer in the same premises and you know therefore all the add-on benefits or is it something else? The gain in the sense? I mean, the benefit to the company by having a charging station because... Right I, I, now, we are not looking at so much of the benefits. Right now, I'm giving an option to the bouquet of offering to the consumer that if he comes with a petrol vehicle or diesel vehicle or an EV vehicle, I'm giving you my offering. 
but there are limitations of space at many of the city outlets. So I need charging station because of electricity, I need a transformer installed along with it, so on and so forth. But we also need to engage them for 30 minutes when the charging is on. So that is why our in and out stores work well. That's our strategy. We'll try and keep them engaged with, so we're looking at various options to keep them engaged. And what's changed in the stores? I mean, the stores are several decades old now. I mean, they've been there for several decades. Is there anything new that's going to happen? And There are two types of stores which we have. One which we have in the cities. One we are looking at experimenting at slightly mid-level grocery in rural area. We feel rural is the place where FMCG is growing phenomenally. And we have an opportunity because we have captive footprints coming to our outlet. Coming back to the consumer, so loyalty is an important part. One way you ensure loyalty is with cards and co-branded credit cards or debit cards and so on. If you were to look back now, let's say a decade or two, how has that worked out? And is that something that you feel is one of your or could be a continuing USP? Yes, obviously. Very early in 1999, we launched Petrobonus, which was a prepaid loyalty card where people actually paid in advance to use it. That time, the time and context was completely different in the sense that very few people were given credit cards because of the strict credit norms and all. Holding a card was a status symbol and people used that card phenomenally. We went up to about two and a half, three million customers, individual customers. What we gained was we knew the exact profile of the customer. I could tailor offerings to these people. Over the years, we have developed. We have also now gone very big in the fleet segment where I give a complete fleet solution to the fleet owner. Right from the safe fueling, money transfer. For example, if somebody picks up load, delivers a load at, say, Assam, in somewhere in Assam, he collects huge amount of money for that transshipment. And once he collects, he does not know what to do. It's not pretty safe even today on the highway. So he has that facility to deposit at the RO, and that gets credited into the owner's account. Then he also has all the doctor on call, emergency pickups. He can go to outlets, rest for a while. So complete solution for the driver and the fleet on. So these are some of the loyalty. And we think loyalty will go a long way. Even UFIL is another way of doing it so that I know he can lock, he can be sure of what it is. And we feel that it has demonstrated that it's a good repeat customer base we have. So as you look ahead, what is going to be the most, let's say, where is the battle going to be fought for a consumer's mind or wallet? Data will be king. How I use the data, honest preferences, how well I personalize the offer will be the key differentiator. So uh, that is where our foundations of, the others are basic. As far as I understand, quality, quantity is given. You cannot call it a differentiator anymore. What you will be giving how well I treat you as an individual. When you, Govind walks into the outlet, if I say, hello, Govind, how are you? That takes you to a different level comparatively. We are a long way off, but that is where we want to go, where I need to identify you as a person, you as a person with specific requirements and needs. You will be completely different from the other customer who is following you. So unless I am able to personalize my offering to that extent, that will be the battle, I think, which will make the difference. Right. And it's always like, a, it's a holy grail, but which is in sight. Yeah. One of the things is, now the world is so interconnected. I'm not compared for services at the petrol station. I'm compared with maybe a McDonald's or maybe a service in the mall or even an Amazon. How quick I'm responding to it. When you go searching or book for a book on the Amazon, they'll tell you, you have been reading these sort of books. That's the kind of level of personalization somebody is able to reach. And many of these startups have come with amazing ideas. 
they can tailor it. But certain times at the station, we are limited because of the space. But that's where the game, I think, will change, where we can personalize the offering to the granulist detail. Right. And, and you mentioned startups, and this is one of my last questions. But So when you talk to, or the BPCL system is talking to startups or engaging with them, what are the problems that you're trying to solve today or are trying to address today? Productivity, efficiency is basically the statements which we have. But largely, I try to see how best I can serve the customer better. Increasingly, the customer is coming to the fuel station because it's a low involvement product. He doesn't have any involvement with the product. He doesn't take a decision on to buy or not to buy. He has no choice. He's coming to buy it. And he feels probably most of them feel it's a drudge purchase, not a, a price being what it is. He doesn't like buying petrol or diesel. So these startups, what we are trying to do is how best we can make that customer experience, that interaction with the fuel station that much better, that much faster, so that he's in and out quickly. And that is where we want to try and make a difference. And then by probably, I don't know, maybe a time will come that as soon as he walks in, some sensor will read the car and say, he normally fills 20 liters of petrol like we do. When we go to ATM, you say, this is your favorite withdrawal number. Why don't you try it? So probably that's where we will reach. And the quicker he gets delivered and he's out of the station. And whatever forms of energy he wants, we should be able to cater to. Yeah. So the India Energy Week is coming up. So what are you looking forward to from that whole engagement interaction? I think it's one of the best platforms which have been created in the country so far. It gives us a wide expanse of opportunities to meet people, see technology and see how we can best adapt practices. I think at this sort of platform and interaction will give us a lot of legway in the future to come. We get access to technologies which we have never seen before. So I think India Energy Week is a good platform for us to scale up. And then plus there are lots of on-the-site dealings with national oil companies, which also gives us a lot of opportunities for business. Also to showcase our companies as well as to learn from those companies. When you say technology, what all aspects of technology do you think? Completely, comes to from mind? the refining process to consumer process, every single piece of the value chain, we can look at opportunities for doing that. And there are so many startups who showcases new technology, new processes, which can be adapted to our use. May not be directly, but we can work on it and work on some adaption. We found last time also, we found a couple of them on which we are working on. We are working on a membrane-less technology for hydrogen. A couple of things we can work on it. So I think this is, gives a good opportunity. A huge number of footfalls in this one, three days which we get, which we may not get otherwise. Getting to meet each one of them separately would take years for us to. Right. On that note, Mr. Krishnakumar, thank you so much for speaking with me. Thank you. Thank you, Govind. Pleasure me talking to you. That was The Core Report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at The Core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter for our exclusive stories, one in-depth feature a day on www.thecore.in. Do also track us on LinkedIn, where we usually post synopsis or extracts of our top stories and interviews. We would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant, including, of course, India's vibrant manufacturing sector. So write to us at feedback at the core.in. And thank you once again for listening.